Welcome back to the Investing on the Go podcast brought to you by Fund Caliber. The Schroeder British Opportunities Trust invests in both public and private equity. Loyal listeners may remember in January, we discussed the public side of the portfolio in episode 167. Today, our guests will be focusing on the private side of the portfolio as a complement to our previous interview. I'm Chris Sarley, and today we're joined by investment directors Paul Lammercraft and Pav Shiharan, both of whom are here to talk about the role of private equity in the Schroeder British Opportunities Trust. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks. Nice to be here. Thanks for having us. So, so let's just start with private equity in general and the fact that trust invests it. Could you maybe explain to us how, what private equity does and how it differs from investing in the UK stock market and, and maybe talk through some of the pros and cons as well, please? Yeah, maybe I'll just start by saying that, that really in its simplest form, um, private equity investing is, is simply investing into private companies. So um, it's relatively straightforward to understand as a concept. Private companies obviously aren't listed on the stock exchange. Um, but can range in size from early stage companies, venture companies, um, up to growth companies, companies that are, are growing strongly, but may not necessarily be profitable at that point in time. And then all the way up to, to what we term as buyout companies, which are profitable, cash generative, um, strong, sustainable businesses. So you can invest across the whole, the whole spectrum. Um, within the British Opportunities Trust, we focus in on on growth and buyout businesses. So those slightly more mature businesses that are robust, growing strongly. Um, and the majority of our investments are actually in the buyout space, which are profitable cash flow generative businesses. Um, but in a nutshell, that's it. It's investing into private companies. There's obviously uh, a number of complexities around doing it successfully. Um, and fortunately, we've been we've been investing um, within the shortest private equity team for over 25 years, um, and across these different these different strategies, be it venture growth and buyout. Um, so the, the complexities are are fairly broad, I guess. Sourcing, structuring, negotiating, and ultimately transforming the businesses. These private companies that we're invested into is is critical, and then. Ultimately, exiting them at the right time, at the right price, for the right return, um, is, a, is a further complexity that, that brings the whole process together. Okay, we'll, we'll go into um, the, all of that in more detail, but let, let's just start with how you go about um, investing into private equity. You mentioned those three different avenues. Could you maybe go into each in, in a bit more detail for us? Yeah, sure. So, so we, as, as Paul said, we at Traders Capital, we run about $15 billion in private equity strategies that span buyout, growth, and venture. And we do this across a number of different investment types, uh, primary investment types, and what, what is known as transactional investment types, so secondaries, um, direct, and, and co-investments. Um, we've got a number of different vehicles that allow investors access to private equity, and, and, and each of these come with varying liquidity parameters. And the most well-established, both for us, that in private equity in general is what's known as a limited partnership structure in which investors lock up capital for anywhere between a sort of 10 and 15 year period. What we've been seeing more recently, however, is the democratization of private equity theme really play out. And, and with that, we've seen a lot of innovation come through in terms of creating structures that offer sort of semi-liquid and liquid products that really open up the investor base to the private equity community. And one of these structures is the investment trust that Paul and I work closer with in the UK, 
And for us, investment trusts are the perfect gateway to to access private companies. You know, they're, they're close-ended structures, so they've got the flexibility to hold illiquid investments, um, such as private equity, and it allows the investors the ability to to trade on on the public stock exchange. To touch on some of the different um, strategies that, that that Paul alluded to, and and, and we mentioned, um, you know, venture capital is investing in innovation. So you know, think of a, a Facebook, a Uber. You know, long before um, listing, um, you know, these companies needed capital to to um, allow them to get to the stage of life where they're um, profitable and and. and and self-funding and that's sort of the, the really sort of early stage venture space when you're moving into growth and buyout which is the focus of the shredders british opportunities trust you know in the growth space these are companies that are now you know they've found their product market fit they're revenue generating they're growing at very you know strong rates oftentimes they can be profitable or unprofitable but these are these are now becoming you know larger companies emerging companies um where you know the, the risk of failure becomes a lot lower and that sort of moves nicely into sort of the buyout space where the companies are a lot more mature um, and they're, you know, working on transformational um, transformational changes um, and growing through either organically and also through mergers and acquisitions and, and, and getting value creation through there. So typically, as Paul mentioned, we're looking at businesses in the Schroeder's British Opportunities Trust that are still growing. So, you know, significant growth rates from a revenue perspective, but have now come into becoming profitable or very close to becoming profitable. And also companies that are, you know, moving into different geographies or building out their product set. Um, and, and that's really the sort of the, the buyout space. And in the in the SBO trust itself, we we have invested in nine companies that span across both of these um, that, that, you know, the, the growing and we're, we're really excited about. Um, Paul, I think you mentioned earlier but about exit reads. Private equity obviously tends to have exit reads. Could you maybe explain what these are, please? Yeah, I mean, I guess we have to take it right back to the initial investment approach. Um, so the, the way that we invest is we also spend a, a huge amount of time going through due diligence and, and understanding businesses, discussing with management teams, doing our reference calls, um, talking with our public markets team as well so we can get that, that broader insight into an opportunity. Um, but we can also draw off of the over 200 uh, direct co-investments that we've made historically or over the, the 5,000 portfolio companies that we are we're invested in to be able to gain further insight and understanding and in, in, um, due diligence exercise in that due diligence exercise. Um, but once, we, once we're comfortable with the opportunity that we're looking at, we also appraise the, the exit options, the exit opportunity for that business if we are to invest in it. And the key here is being able to understand the requirements of the business going forward, um, the timeline that we would expect before we would seek a realization, um, and then also to ensure that we have aligned investors around the table so that the co-investors we might be investing alongside all share a similar view as with the management that we're, we're targeting a, a three, five, seven-year hold on the investment. And then... The key at that point is to not only understand what options we have around exit, and really it's about creating as many options as possible, um, but also to get a good understanding of what we would expect to, to realize in terms of valuation at that point in time. So, and when I talk about creating the, the exit options, um, a number of private equity investors focus purely on single opportunities, single exit outcomes, which might be, for example, uh, the IPO. 
And what we do is we try to create much more optionality around the, the ultimate exit so that we can be investing into businesses that may well IPO, um, but may also be looking to be really strong as a, as a trade acquirer. We could be looking at uh, making an acquisition of the business in time. So attractive acquisition opportunities for trade players. Um, and then also creating a further option, which is to be able to position these companies so that they can actually be bought by larger private equity managers in, in time to come. So it's about creating as much option around the, the ultimate exit as we can. And we, we do a huge amount of that assessment at the day we actually invest right up front. I was going to ask, is a lot of that done? A lot of that is done early stage. You have sort of like a flat plan of what you want that to look like when you first begin to invest in a company? Yeah, we have a broad outline of what we would expect to to be the outcome uh, in terms of the exit. And and like I say, only around maybe 10% of private equity investments actually go on to IPO. So that doesn't tend to be our pure focus. It's about creating um, the strongest businesses that we can, transforming them, as, as Pav previously mentioned, over our holding period so that they become really attractive, either IPO candidates or um, trade acquisition candidates or, or a financial sponsor, private equity um, candidates for them to purchase from us later on down the line. And that transformation is is really key to driving the returns because the way that we transform is we look to invest into businesses that we can professionalize, that we can really scale up, that we can um, support in the, the product rollouts or the geographic rollouts, um, or we can assist them with M&A. And actually, when we look back at a number of the different investments that we've made in the private equity space in, in the British Opportunities Trust, um, the vast majority of those have already completed multiple transactions, multiple bolt-ons um, to enable them to scale up further over time. And this is all part of that transformation process that increases the scale of the business, increases the valuation of the business. Um, as these businesses become larger, they attract higher valuation multiples over time. Um, as they become more attractive to potential financial sponsors in the future, so there's quite a there's a huge amount of work that goes in upfront in that in that due diligence process to really get a, a handle around where we expect to exit, what sort of return we would expect to to achieve, um, so that we can follow the progress of the business over the over the following three to five to seven years. Thank you. Um, I just want to turn to to COVID. Obviously, the the trust has been launched sort of in response to COVID. Does that necessarily mean that as COVID recedes? The investment case sort of ceases to be relevant if COVID ever recedes. But um, yeah, it, maybe just talk us through that as a as part of the trust. Yeah, I think it's a great question, and it's one we have been asked a couple of times. Um, the reason for launching the trust was so that we could be investing into supporting UK businesses, growing UK businesses that could expand throughout the UK, but could expand globally as well. But but had operations within the UK um, during COVID, clearly. There was a significant amount of strain and uncertainty, which meant that, that some of these businesses may not be able to get the funding that they would require. Mm-hmm. Now, while COVID has to some extent receded, and we never, never know if we've quite got it behind us yet, but it has certainly receded from, from the Haiti a couple of years ago, we still think the uncertainty within the UK and globally is, is so significant that actually we continue to believe there's a real need for support for, for UK growth companies. Uh, and buyout companies. So we're, we're facing a number of different issues, as, as I'm sure um, your listeners will be very well aware, in terms of inflation, in terms of supply chain shocks that still, that still seem to exacerbate around the world. Um, we've got a, a number of challenges from a, a macro perspective, notwithstanding the tragedies in, in Ukraine. 
So, so there's a number of different challenges that that companies face, and for that reason, I think it, the the relevance of of the British Opportunities Trust remains absolutely um, vital right now. So, yeah, I, I think in short, absolutely, it remains a, a key a key strategy for for moving forward. And obviously, ESG credentials have become sort of an important part of any investment now. How how do you factor ESG credentials into a private company, and do you find they're more conscious than proactive towards sustainability? Yeah, another good question. So ESG is, is um, again critical actually for the British Opportunities Trust. We engage with all of the private companies that we're investing into. Uh, we require UN SDG alignment, so the Sustainable Development Goals. We, we require that the businesses that we're investing into are are aligned with one or more of those. Um, now, that's that's obviously very useful, but some businesses haven't quite got to that level where they've, they've developed their ESG practices to that extent. So we're also happy to invest into businesses where we can really help them deliver or develop their, their ESG framework going forward. And all private companies that we talk to are aware of the importance of ESG uh, today and and absolutely going forward. So this is a this is a sort of pushing on an open door to have these conversations. But one great example of a business that we invested into, which is is Graphcore, um, which is a, a UK high tech semiconductor business that's um, developing next generation um, tools. This was a business that hadn't quite formalize its UN SDG alignment. And so it was a business when we were actually looking to make the investment and undertaking our, our due diligence process, we could introduce our sustainability ESG teams um, and, and it, it open up a dialogue with the team to really, with the Graphcore team, to really help them shape their framework going forward. It was one of the key attributes that they saw of Schroders coming onto the register to, to support them in that, in that um, regard going forward. So we take it very seriously. All the businesses that we're investing into um, also see the value in it. But I'm sure that's the case for public companies as well. So ESG just becomes a critical factor across the board, in all honesty. Um, but it's definitely something we, we we hone in on very closely during during Didi. Okay. Um, you recently added Mintech to the portfolio, and they're a leading sort of global provider of food-related commodity prices, forecasts, and, and analytics to the food industry. I mean... Given the higher cost of food prices, that's quite timely at the moment around the world. Could you maybe tell us more about what they do and how a company like that fits in the portfolio? Yeah, sure. Great question. Look, we're, we're really excited about the addition of Mintech to the British Properties Trust portfolio. As you've stated, Mintech are the global leading price reporting agency for non-exchange traded food commodities. So think food products, ingredients, textiles, many others. They are servicing the largest industrial sector globally, which is a food sector. And just to give you context on size, that's a $9 trillion market. Um, and it's, a, it's about 10% of global, global, global GDP. What we really like about the companies, they're servicing sectors that have historically suffered from price transparency issues. And clearly, this leads to inefficiency in negotiating and budgeting and the whole procurement process really for companies. And they're serving around 700 clients across food, manufacturing and retail. And here, think of blue chip names like Nestle, Unilever, Walmart, Tesco, et cetera. In terms of why it fits our portfolio, as we've touched on, the genesis of the SBO fund strategy was really growth. And on the PE side, that's looking at the kind of growth to buyout stage businesses in terms of of its life cycle, just to remind the audience. 
they MinTech are a clear market leader and they've got very strong growth opportunities in you know what we believe is a greenfield market. And again, to provide some context and numbers, this is um, a target addressable market of uh, 900 million. It's largely unpenetrated and, and their market share is only two and a half percent. And if you look at their clients, they have you know constant margin pressure, suffer from opaque pricing dynamics and, and, and high volatility in, in the whole procurement process. So really what Mintech offers is a, is a mission critical product. As you say, it's a very timely investment because you know we've actually seen the Mintech in, Mintech experiencing an increase in demand, given what's going on in Russia and UK, and you know the um, volatility on the pricing side in terms of food commodity, but also supply shortages. From a business perspective, you know they're high recurring revenue, good profit margins, strong cash flow conversion, um, good pricing power, and and exhibited very good organic growth. So it ticks many boxes on, on our side. So you know um, a very timely investment, but you know looking at the the business and fundamentals in isolation, um, you know, it ticks many boxes, as we say. So we're thrilled to have this um, addition to our portfolio. Would that be an example? We talked about exit routes at the start. Would that be an example of perhaps the investment case changing from the point of investment to now? I mean, the, the world has changed. Food prices are going up. We don't know how long it's going to be. Would, would the exit route investment case change at, at any point already? Or would that would it just be a case of needing to be as flexible as possible with a company like that? No, I think, I think flexibility is key. As Paul said at outset, we spent a lot of time looking at exit routes for companies. And, you know, to, to give an example, you know, we don't like companies that just, um, want to go down the IPO or a public listing route, given the challenges if, if those markets are shut. So, you know, the ability to, um, professionalize, industrialize, um, the business allows you to have more, more, much more optionality uh, at exit. Um, and so, you know, there, there's a multitude of options for, um, we believe for Mintech, you know, be it, um, selling upstream to larger private equity owners and you've got a more diversified business and, you know, the ability to sell at higher multiples or, or actually this could be quite attractive to, um, you know, a, to a strategic. So I think, I think, um, whilst very positive and timely from an investment perspective, and we should see that come through in the um, in the financials, I don't think it changes the investment um, sort of exit thesis. And I think there is a lot of optionality for this company. Yeah, the other, there's another thing to add on on Mintech. Sorry, just cut in. There's this is a, it's a cracking business, as Pabs um, obviously alluded to there. But it's also a business that we've been following for the last four or five years. So um, this was an, a business that was invested into by one of our GPs, one of the GPs that we've supported for a good number of years. Um, so we were able to follow and track the progress of that business for several years before actually having the opportunity this year just to invest into it ourselves. So at that point, you can see that it's scaled, you can get that confidence around the business, the, the way that it's been growing historically. Um, and you can really feel as if you're invested alongside some top quality investors with you. Um, so that we can we can really get excited about the opportunity now that we know it even even better than you might ordinarily do if you just come into a, a fresh investment without having that history. So it's a, a great opportunity for us that we're really excited about. And just lastly, um, obviously we've got some listeners who perhaps have not invested in private equity before or are looking to invest in private equity. Could you maybe just explain why now might be a good time or why they might want to consider it as an investment now? Yeah, I think investing in private equity has been proven over the long term to be able to deliver some really great returns, um, certainly in, in excess of those returns that we're seeing in the public markets. But private equity also has reduced volatility. 
when you look at the opportunities in the public markets and you see the volatility that we've obviously experienced over the last few months, private equity tends to have a, a, um, a less daily priced volatility built into it. So sentiment doesn't fluctuate emotionally quite as much within private equity because private equity valuations are generally marked on a quarterly basis. So you don't get these pronounced bounces and, and, and fluctuations and therefore it's, it's much less volatile and you can sleep more easily with, with private equity investments. I think in relation to the British Opportunities Trust, there's also a discount at play in relation to that investor trust that, that feels unjustified and feels like a, a great opportunity to, to be aware of. Um, so all in all, I think the long-term returns from private equity, the, the lower volatility from private equity, all suggest to me that it's an area that, that people should be really looking quite closely at if they've not, if they've not yet. That's great, Paul. Thank you very much for joining us today. Brilliant. Thanks very much indeed. The Schroeder British Opportunities Trust is one of the few products to be launched in response to the pandemic. The trust seeks to tap into the unloved status of UK equities by targeting companies which have been in the eye of the storm, both for public and private equity investments. To learn more about the Schroeder British Opportunities Trust, visit our website, fundcaliber.com. And to hear more about the public side of the portfolio, be sure to listen to episode 169. Don't forget to subscribe to the Investing on the Go podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Please remember, we've been discussing individual companies to bring investing to life for you. It's not a recommendation to buy or sell. The fund may or may not still hold these companies at the time of listening. Elite ratings are based on Fund Calibre's research methodology and are the opinion of Fund Calibre's research team only. 